inspirations for the Human Kinesome Project podcast have often come from contacts ranging around the globe and looking for the best professional and elite athlete training practices. Inspiration for this episode, however, was literally right in our back office. Robin Bajoni is the Director of People and Culture at Kinetics with oversight of human resources and health and safety. But her story outside of Kinetics is stunning. Imagine a family weekend on the lake, wakeboarding, turning into a crisis following a life-threatening injury. Robin's injury to her left leg was explosive. ACL, PCL and MCL complete tears coupled with ruptured veins which led to an air evacuation, ER stints and multiple operations. Some of her physicians said, you'll never run again. So what do you do when you hear that? When recreational activity has been a big part of your life with your family? If you're Robin, the first thing you do is find a new doctor. Armed with a glimmer of hope that activity might be possible again, Robin began her journey back to movement. It's her mindset ahead of her healing ability that is just an amazing story. For anyone who's ever had an injury, or if you're dealing with one right now, listen closely. Robin is every runner, and her one-step-at-a-time focus, surrounded by her family's emotional and motivational support, give insight to a rock-solid mindset. Well, Robin, it is awesome to have you on the Human Kinosome Project podcast. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's so cool. You know, it's funny, um, we've looked a lot of a lot of different industries outside of kinetics with athletes or sports. If you look back at our podcast history, we've got a, an incredible collection of people that have inspired us in some way. And all along that path, I would look and say, where does inspiration come from? And then I hear your story. And it was amazing to me. You know, there's so many people that are athletic and even if you're not competing, but movement's a big part of your life and then you get injured. And then there's a whole emotional journey that you go through with injury. There's a whole um, physical journey in learning to cope with your body as it's changing through injury. Let's talk about that. Where did exercise and movement start for you? So realistically, if you'd asked me if I was an athlete, I'd be like, no, under no circumstance am I athletic in any way. And I like recently believe, like I believe that up until very recently. Cause okay. like I skied when I was little, then I switched to snowboarding. I like, I wasn't good at gym class. I was like the kid you picked last. I, my biggest fear is like, team sports because like I don't like letting other people down when I'm playing and I like can't catch a ball. And so like I would have never pegged myself as athletic. Um, but like after I injured my knee, I realized like a lot of my leisure time yeah. is movement. Well, being an athlete, I mean, too, that's the thing. I think we're all athletes, but it depends on how you score it, right? Yeah. I mean, one of the statements we often make is like the human body was designed to move within a gravitational environment. Yeah. Right, we're built to move. Right, so you you were fairly. Let's not use the word athletic. You were, you were very movement oriented, and then an injury happens. Tell us about that. At what was what was your training like, or what was your pattern like of exercise when that injury happened? So I uh, had a nine month old when my injury mm -hmm. happened. So my son was nine months old, and I realized like 
I wasn't just going to randomly lose yeah. my baby weight. So I started yeah. running one day. Did like, you exercise through pregnancy though? Was that part like of I it? walked. I yeah, yeah. kind of like hiked. Yeah. Like I'm, I spend time outdoors. My husband's super athletic, but I wouldn't like have ever like thought like, oh, I'm going to go for a run. Yeah. Got it. And so I just decided to start running one day because uh, I was on maternity leave and had no money and I had shoes. So it was like, <laughs> yeah. it was very accessible. Yeah. Yeah. And so I started running. I like did the couch to 5k thing and I was up mm. to around 10 or 12k like yeah. on a, on a run, like running three or four times a week. What, yeah. What's that period of time to go from couch to, to that distance for you? How, how long did that take? Started in February running, I mm. want to say, cause it was very cold. So it was like January, February. Yeah. And shortly after my, my son was born in September. So sometime yeah. that winter. Yeah. Yeah. And then by the summer I was running that distance. So I wow. dislocated my knee in July. Yeah. Um, and actually the day before I dislocated my knee, I had like the most beautiful run of my life. We were at a lake like ran along the side of the lake and my son was in a stroller and he was like laughing and there was like ski fences because it was this little like teeny ski lake yeah. community in BC. Yeah. It was like this beautiful run and I always think like that was a great last long run and maybe it won't be my last You now, know, it's but. amazing the consistency in stories about injury. You know, it's always, they always seem to happen after a something positive, you know, in terms of an event with an athlete or, you know, with a recreational runner yeah. to, that, to that end. It's very, very common that that experience and maybe maybe you look back at the experience because of the negative of the next day or the injury i don't know i don't know what that is <laughs> but, but even uh, yeah. like so i was wakeboarding with my family so we were camping in bc with my family yeah. my my niece my husband my like parents my nine Whole family old. everyone's there everyone's there it's like yeah. a beautiful time and we decided we'd rent a boat and go wakeboarding and like we had a boat when i was little um my nono had a boat my my grandfather yeah and uh and then, like, so I kneeboarded a lot when I was little and water skied when I was little, yeah. so I didn't think anything of it. My yeah. husband's, like, quite competitive at snowboarding, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. we just thought, like, we'll get a wakeboard and it'll be super fun. Yeah. And it was, like, it was super fun. Uh, and then uh, I was, like, wakeboarding, and I thought, like, oh, I'm, I'm decent at this. So I, like, went yeah. out over the wake a few times. We were going pretty fast, and I was, like, and then I fell, and I surfaced, and... I saw the toe of one foot and the heel of the other facing Ooh. the same direction. Wow. And so I like immediately like looked in the water and was like, where's the blood? Cause like your leg. <laughs> you were thinking, yeah. I like, yeah. I was sure that there was like a bone sticking out of my body. Mate, where I come from, I would have been looking for the shark. That's okay. <laughs> you know, right? It was a lake. I was safe from that. <laughs> yeah. And my husband yelled like sick fall Robin or something like that. Yeah. And I was like, I think I've hurt myself. <laughs> my God. So did you feel like, was it shock first, pain second? Yeah, like I definitely yeah. didn't even know it was my knee that was injured yeah, when I first yeah. fell. And you were buoyant in the water, right? Yeah, so you've got a life jacket on. So you've got that artificial yeah. component that adds into it as well. So you really, you're seeing the degree of the injury and your brain's probably going, hang on a minute, I've got to process this. Um, that doesn't look right. Yeah, and then like I remember thinking like you never reset a break or dislocation and I immediately like spun my body back in the water and then I felt my knee snap. Oh back together. Yeah. And then my husband was like, what's going on? And I was like, I've hurt myself very badly. And he like jumped in. My dad kind of yelled at Sid, like what's happening? And Sid just yelled, call an ambulance. And he said, can we get back to the dock? And my husband is a, an EMR. So like, yeah. not, not a paramedic, but like but more training than first aid. Yeah, exactly. And he said like, no, call, call the ambulance now. So like they brought the boat over and Sid was basically yeah. like to my dad, you're going to have, and I don't remember this part, but he remembers yeah. it very clearly. Basically, you're going to have to lift us both out of the water at the same time because I have to yeah. hold our legs stable. Yeah, got it. And so we like heaved me onto the boat 
then there was like I think a 20 minute-ish boat ride back mm -hmm. where I like kind of went in and out of shock and like yeah. passed out a little yeah. bit yeah. Um, and like it was and then we got to the dock and then we had to sit and wait on the dock for the ambulance to come because yeah. we were obviously nowhere near yeah. city yeah and that's the only time in my life where I felt like I might hit, hit someone in the face. <laughs> uh, because once yeah. you're injured, everyone yeah. like comes over to check on oh, you. I know, yeah. And so this like very lovely, like bubbly young lady came over and was just like, can I help you? I'm a lifeguard. And I was like, like I looked at my mom, I was like, yeah. I, I don't need help. And she was like, I'm a lifeguard, I've got first aid. And, so finally, like, I didn't respond, and I looked at my mom, and I was like, if you don't get her away, I'm going to hit her. And it was, like, the only time in my life where I thought, like, I yeah. might actually hurt a yeah. person. Yeah. Uh, and then we just, like, sat there, and I kind of, like, at that point, I think the shock wore off. I don't yeah. really know. So, so you got that emotional journey that yeah. goes on through the injury, right? So you, ambulance obviously comes, so we get you to the hospital, right? Yeah. What is the first... Like the moment that you learn the extent of the injury, and I want to kind of unpack that a little bit here. It so. was, like, way... I was back in Calgary after like an air ambulance ride. So I actually right. don't think at any point I realized how injured I was. Wow. So um, I got to the first hospital and they were like, we can't help you here. We don't have a vascular surgeon. Oh, yeah. So they like threw me in an ambulance and they were like, do you want the full shot on morphine or the half shot? And the paramedic was like, just take the full shot. Yeah. And it's also the moment when I was like, this is why people are addicted to drugs. Because I remember being yeah, so right. scared and in yeah. so much pain and then looking at my husband and being like, don't worry, sweetheart, everything yeah. is fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. then getting in the ambulance, yeah. so then it was about eight hours to the yeah. hospital, so I went to Kelowna. Okay. Um, so the drive isn't eight hours, but that by the time I got to Kelowna, it was eight hours, and they were like, it was the yeah. middle of the night, and the surgeon came in yeah. and was like, are you pregnant? I was like, I'm pretty sure I'm not, and he was like, get me something with her name on it, a pregnancy test, and then mm. I was in surgery. Wow, so you first learned, like, you get to that first stage and they go, we don't have a vascular surgeon. Was that the point where you went, oh shit, hang on a second. This is more advanced than um, I, I still thought. don't think I knew. Like, I know that this is going to, I have to have a biology degree. I've taken physiology courses. Yeah. I think like, yeah, I actually think I kind of thought it was funny at that point, but I don't know why. Maybe yeah. drugs. Yeah. Um, yeah. Even like, I don't think the, the moment I knew it was probably more serious than I thought was when they were like, we're going to just draw where we're going to cut on your leg. And it was like crotch to ankle. Wow. And then I passed out. <laughs> so let's, let's talk about the diagnosis. So um, how, how did they tell you what had occurred? You know, it's, tell me the entire like breakdown of the injury itself. What was torn? What, what, what the breaks were? Um, what the degree of surgery was to so, uh, of the repair process talk about that a little bit because our listeners like if someone this is probably the most traumatic limb injury that i've heard about in a long time you know i just work in sports where you know athletes break ankles or you know something happens with their upper extremities but nothing to this degree so I mean, it's traumatic it, uh the really big issue was that I had lost circulation to my legs, so I'd severed my femoral artery. And so um, I so was... So that's life-threatening immediately? I was really worried about my knee, and the surgeon yeah. said, I'm not at all... Like, basically said, your knee is shot, but I'm not worried about that right now. I'm worried yeah. about the rest of your leg. Yeah. And I don't even think that really registered with me at the time. Yeah. But yeah. now looking back at it, like... Wow. Wow. Yeah. Um, and then I kind of woke up, 
Still yeah. not really understanding how serious anything yeah. was. And yeah. even my husband, I don't think anyone had explained anything to him. Yeah. Like, it was just kind of like, get her to the surgeon. Yeah. Uh, and he woke, so after my surgery, it went on way longer. I had, so my injuries were I tore my ACL, MCL, LCL, PCL, calf and hamstrings. Everything. Uh, complete tears of the ligaments. Just seven. Yeah. Yeah. But my calf and hamstrings were only partially torn. Got it. Okay. They're much stronger, yeah, yeah. so that's the expectation. Yeah. So all the ligaments were torn. Uh, I'd severed my femoral artery, and then I had compartment syndrome in my calf. Oh, wow, yeah. Um, so the surgery was way longer than they expected because they had to do a fasciotomy on my calf, mm. which, like, basically, I don't really know what it is, but they cut the outside and some blood yeah. comes out. Yeah. Uh, and then they went back and told my dad and my husband, who were still at the hospital, we managed to save her leg. And I think that that's the moment that everyone sort of realized Oh, this isn't just a dislocation because yeah. everyone yeah. at that point had said like, oh, she yeah. dislocated like, her pop knee. Pop it back in off we go. Yeah, like yeah. people dislocate stuff all the time. Yeah, yeah. It sounds so bad. Yeah. Um, and so I, I had seen an orthopedic surgeon in the Kelowna Hospital. Yeah. I was in critical care there yeah. because it is a bypass. Yep, yep. And so they monitor you like every 20 minutes for a period of time. Yeah. And then they told me I wasn't allowed to get in a car and drive home because it was mm. too long without monitoring. Yeah, yeah. So I took a plane back to Calgary, and then an orthopedic surgeon saw me there and yeah. said, hey, you'll never do sports again. And I mm. said, that's totally cool. I don't play sports. And he looked at me and said, what do you think a sport is? And I said, football, rugby, hockey, soccer. All those team things. Yeah, yeah <laughs> that you don't want to do anyway. Do. Great, no problem. And he said, it's, like, it's like a nutritionist say, you'll never eat broccoli again. Hey, good, <laughs> all good, right? Yeah, and so he looked at me and he was like, well, what do you like to do for fun? And I was like, well, I run, I do yoga, I hike, I, I, I snowboard. And he was like, those are all sports. <laughs> and I was like, no, those are leisure activities. Yeah, and that, yeah. I think that's the moment. That's the gravity me, Which point. was like two, like probably two weeks later. Yeah. Like at no point wow. no one had said like, hey, yeah. this is super limited. Was this post-surgery or was this pre-surgery? This was, was the so okay. then nine years passed. We'll just fast forward a lot. And I had another surgery to repair the yeah. orthopedic damage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So uh, with my first surgery, my leg was held straight for quite some time. I can't exactly yeah. tell yeah. you how long. Yep. And then uh, I was in like a locked brace for quite some time. And then, you know, at that point I like really accepted that I may or may not have surgery again. And six months went by. I had at that point like a year and three month old. Yeah, yeah. And they were like, do you want to do surgery again? And at that point, my orthopedic surgeon was like amazed at how sturdy my knee was for a knee with no ligaments. Yeah. Uh, like it, it, it wasn't the worst knee. Right, right. <laughs> well, you had some prehab, pre-injury, right? You yeah. were running. You were, you know, you were ath athletic enough that you had engaged probably a hypertrophy around that musculature that served you well in like the post-surgical process is what I'm thinking there, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, so talk about this a little bit. What's really amazing, you hear that from a doctor that says you're never going to basically be really active again, probably get you back to, back to activities of daily living where you can just walk, just ambulate, just get around the house, yeah, but don't plan on running, don't plan on wakeboarding again, don't plan on doing any of that. A lot of people would take that as a certificate or an excuse or, okay, I'm never going to, you know, I'm going to be a victim of this injury. You didn't. When, when did you look at kind of that binary pathway and say, no, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run again. I'm going to do these things again. 
I think um, I was really concerned about not it not getting worse at the beginning. So yeah. I followed my doctor's orders like religiously. You like were a great patient. Uh, I remember he said, okay, I need you to walk without your brace now. And yeah. I said, well, I haven't done that yet. What, what's it going to feel like? And he yeah. said, well, everyone kind of does it before they see me. And I said, well, no, I like legitimately haven't <laughs> walked without my brace. Yeah. You said I should brace 24-7. The only time I take it off is to shower or bath. Yeah, yeah. And he was like, oh. like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And like even when I went back to work. So I was off work for... Originally, they had said six months, but I went back at three because I, I was a little bit bored, actually. Mm. But, he, like, my physiotherapist had said, okay, you need, at some point, once you can kind of bend your knee again, so there's some, like, mm. rehab where someone yeah. bends your knee for you, yep. and then you kind of work up to bending the knee yeah, yourself, yeah. and then you can ride a bike. Yeah. And he said, well, I need you to add five, like, I need you to bike for five minutes, and then when you're ready, add a minute. Gotcha. And then add a minute. And so yeah. when I went back to work, I said, I'm going back to work. I don't know how I'm going to keep up my rehab. Mm. I'm, I'm biking like 120 minutes. And yeah. he said, you should be able to fit that in over a week. And I said, like, no, a session. Yeah, yeah. And I said, like, oh, like, he said, why are you biking so much? And I said, well, you said add five minutes, like add a few minutes until I couldn't add anymore. Yeah. And he was like, well, no one actually does that. <laughs> so how much, how much pain were you in in that process? Like, were there pain thresholds you were like, you know what? I can work through this. I'm gonna. I'm. I'm. I, I, I'm gonna get to that next minute. What was in your head as you're getting through those first stages? I think it's like about setting mini goals. So right. Um, I think you're like, okay, if I can bike today, that's better than things were. And I think yeah. I was just so grateful to still have my leg attached to me at that yeah. point. Yeah. Um. So I like really appreciated that like, I might get something back that I didn't think I would. Yeah. Yeah. And I know like there was times like I used to obsessively, I have a, so you can feel my pulse in the out, inside of my leg. I used yeah. to like obsessively take my pulse because I was worried about it. And like yeah. now I don't, yeah. I don't do that at all. Yeah. yeah. So I think it's just like setting a goal and then like achieving that thing and then celebrating that and then setting the next goal. That's, and it is a beautiful description because I think that's the thing that, um, it's like climbing a mountain, right? Most people look at the peak, right? They're not looking at the first 10 yards of terrain that they've got to get through and celebrate that. Yeah. Right. Everyone looks at this endpoint, this massive endpoint that somewhere. Did somebody give you that process, or did it, you? It, was it self-evident to you? Where did that come from? I don't know. I I think it was just like. So it started with like, okay, you have nerve yeah. damage. You might have foot drop. Yeah. Yep. You might you might walk with a limp for the rest of your life. Yep. So like when I got rid of my limp, it was like, well, this is better than bingo. Yeah. Than I thought it would be. These and were I'm, bricks. You were laying <laughs> bricks. You know, and one by one, you were building back a framework. Yeah, and so yeah. it was just like, okay, they said we couldn't do this. We've gotten there. What's the next thing? Yeah. And and there were some decision points life-wise that, that I made that put off my second surgery. So, like I said, I had the vascular surgery, and mm. then you can't do orthopedic surgery yeah. right yeah. away. Yeah. Uh, and I had, like, at that point, a toddler, and I, I wanted another child. Yeah. And so, like, I had a yeah. really honest conversation with my orthopedic surgeon, and he was yeah. like, if you do knee, another knee surgery, it's another two years. Yeah. It's like... If yeah. you think you can live your life, go live it. Yeah. Like, can right. you be happy with this life? Mm. And like, I think the answer was always like, well, I felt really lucky. Like people came to visit me in the hospital. Yeah. I was able to take short-term disability from my job. I, you yeah. know, people that I hadn't seen in years, like came and dropped off cookies and like, yeah. yeah. Uh, like it was just like, there was so much, it was such like an unlucky moment, but I was surrounded by so much like luck. 
Yeah, we talk, we talk a ton <laughs> in sports about this framework of an athlete-centric model. When we put it together, it starts with an emotional foundation, moves from every decision you make cognitively comes off that emotional foundation. And then we look at how you manage yourself in physical systems. We look at the technical use of the physical system, the tactical use of something in a sport, and then the strategic use over time. Everything is based around the emotional foundation. If we had that in professional sports, if I knew how that athlete was presenting emotionally each day, I would have a better outcome to be able to manage that individual. And it sounds like that was really similar for you, like the you know, what we call the EQ, that emotional kind of framework was family, was friends, you, you felt loved, and, and that gives you the foundation to make the decisions, I'm gonna get better. Yeah. Versus if you're left alone in, that, in those moments with yourself, you're like, man, I feel like no one's on my side. I'm, I'm, I'm a victim through this process. So not being a psychologist and, you know, <laughs> probably understand a hell of a lot less about this than many people. But that to me always is the place where, where it starts, is having that right emotional mindset and quotient. Talk about that a little bit more. What was, were there moments like husband moments, kid moments, mum and dad moments, extended family moments? Did someone say something that registered, that you remembered, that you took forward? I think everyone was like, like and my parents like, talk quite a bit about being very proud of my rehab, which uh, I'm going to cry about my mom and dad. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's um, awesome. I remember yeah. like we went to a party, maybe like my parents, it was like my dad's, I don't know, birthday party. And yeah. uh, everyone came up and we're like, your parents talk about how hard you work at your rehab and yeah. like how you're so committed. And it's a bit of a joke because then they turn to my brother and say like, and we hear you're a doctor now. And I was like, oh, I learned to walk and my brother's a doctor. Yeah, 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 I love it, I love it. <laughs> but like, I think genuinely everyone was like, you've got this, yeah. Rob. And yeah. like, and even like my doctor was like, I loved my doctor. I loved my physiotherapist. Yeah. Like I, I also didn't want to let them down. So yeah. like, yeah. and they seemed really excited yeah. when things were going well, which like yeah. matters. Yeah, how are the kids? The like kids see mom. Mom's, yeah. mom's dealing with this stuff every day, right? Were they... Were there a lot of questions that came from them? So uh, my first surgery, Keegan was like nine months old. So yeah. he was actually like a little bit afraid of me for a while. Like because of the brace and everything else that you're in? Or? I think because I kind of stopped caring for him. So Sid became, oh, wow. my yeah. husband became like yeah. the primary caregiver so I could focus yeah. on the rehab. Of we lived with my parents. And so like I went from nursing him to him like getting bottles from anyone, yeah. but like, I couldn't hold him really because yeah. he was so squirmy. Yeah. And so the first time they left me alone with him, he just looked at me and cried. And that was oh, a little wow. like super heartbreaking. Yeah, yeah. But like it, it went away and yeah. it, it wasn't forever. It was well, just yeah, a moment. Well, yeah, no, exactly. It was temporary. Everything is. And right? then with my second surgery, so when I got my orthopedic repair, mm. um, and that was just before the pandemic, so two years ago, they were nine and seven. So like they understood. Yeah. Yeah. What was going on? Like, I'm yeah. going for surgery. Yeah. I am in pain. So this has been a long journey it, it, for yeah. you. Where are you now? Let's talk about that because then I want to go back to that process. Unfortunately, I get to see kind of, you know, the, the events that you're doing, the things that you're doing out in the real world, right, through our internal communication systems. What's the last thing you've done of distance, of running? Like, you were out, you were, you were what was your run last, was it last week? Uh, you had a fairly so significant the longest distance. one I've done since my surgery is seven kilometers, but the secret goal has always been to return to snowboarding. So okay. that was totally off the table. Yeah. 
And even when I went back for my orthopedic surgery, my, my first orthopedic surgeon, who I adore, said, I'm not the person to do this surgery. Okay. He said, there's someone who does more high-risk surgeries than me, mm. and I also adore him. And he said, I'll do your surgery. And he said, and so there was a lot of like, let's, let's play worst case scenario, yeah. best case scenario. So yeah, worst yeah, case scenario, yeah. you, we accidentally nick the bypass, you lose your leg. Not super likely, but. Yeah. However. Like it's not, it's not <laughs> oh, okay, the realm you. of possibility. Best yeah. case scenario, we hit a home run, yeah. you snowboard again. Right. And most likely scenario is it is the same or better. Mm. And I thought. Is a front leg or back leg for you on a snowboard? It's my front leg. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And so we went in and, and I saw my first surgeon and I said, well, I'm running again. He said, please stop running on that knee. It cannot run. Yeah. Like, yeah. And it was like very traumatic and I cried again because I was feeling so good and I was running again. And then I got hooked up with this surgeon and he was like, we're going to do it. It's, I'm going to repair all four ligaments. Um, and with like this, the ultimate unlikely goal of snowboarding, but at least getting out of my brace for most activities. So for nine years, I was in a brace. Yeah. Um, so seven Ks now, let's go back to doctor said, don't run. Yeah. How'd you make the decision to start running? So the doctor said, don't run before my surgery. And I actually stopped running because yeah. he said like, honestly, you're your knee can't take it, like mm. it falls out of joint. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I think I hadn't seen him in a long time, so I started running. It's easier to do the wrong thing when no one's telling you what's wrong. <laughs> yeah, big so, forgiveness, right? Don't ask permission. Yeah, big so I went back to see him after, like, because the kids were older, and that was yeah. the big thing is like, I didn't think I could have toddlers on crutches, and then I had these oh, yeah. kids that were yeah. super sufficient comparatively. And so I went back to my surgeon. They're amazingly adaptive, right? Yeah. They'll adapt. Kids will adapt to anything. So I said, yeah. like, let's do the surgery. I'm, I'm running again. I, I'm going to ski again. And he was yeah. like, you're running again like you're not gonna ski we've talked about this yeah. uh and then so he referred me to the other surgeon and i actually now went, now you're not the good patient though. i yeah. don't want to deal with her anymore <laughs> he yeah. was lovely yeah. he actually assisted on my surgery so i've got no complaints about him uh and i walked into the surgeon's office and i said i know i'm here just so you could tell me to give up on running yeah like and he said actually i'm going to tell you the exact opposite of that like i think you've got a chance i'm willing to do your surgery and then I, I like... That's like the sun coming up. That's a ray of light for well, you. I, I just sobbed. And I was like, well, I don't even know what to make. And he said, well, what do you think? And I said, I can't think about that because it's so out of the realm of possibilities. So I phoned my husband who has always been like, we can't do surgery again, Robin. Yeah. Like it was so hard. It was yeah. so tiring. I yeah. phoned him and I said, like, maybe there's a chance I could do everything again. Yeah. And yeah. I, I immediately thought my husband was going to say, like, no surgery. And he was like, well, then let's do it. Like, yeah. if there's a chance, let's take it. And so... That's unique though, too. That is a unique mindset because I think, I don't know whether it was generations before us, but there's always been this conservative approach medically and from a movement perspective, post any kind of corrective surgery, something artificial, something changing in your body. Everyone's so damn conservative because no one wants to see you in pain. No one wants to see you in trauma again, yeah. right? So they're trying to prevent those, those, those events, those type timeline events that could be negative, but they forget about the horizon of all the positive side of that. Yeah. Right? So you've had one you had one doctor that said, yeah, I'm gonna tell you the opposite. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you well, let, let's go towards this, the sunshine here. Yeah. Let's go towards that light at the end of the tunnel. 
And then having been through surgery, I actually went back to my trainer who had helped me recover from my first surgery and said, I'm going for another surgery. What do we do in advance to get ready for so it? So you got some prehab going. Let's get some muscle tissue. Let's yeah. get some hypertrophy so you can sustain the atrophy that's going to occur during. Yeah. And it yeah. was like the most boring exercise I've ever done in my life. <laughs> like it was very yeah. like small movements, focusing on little yeah. things. That's um, a good trainer. And, and then we did the surgery and that was very painful um, yeah. i think more painful than the first what's your recovery time on that one like how long were you like it was a control passive movement or, or any was, motion day one or was it pushed off so um i was put in what do they call like a pcl rebound mm. brace yep uh, as soon yeah. as my leg was swollen enough to not get in it which i think was a day or two after surgery yeah, right. and then i was allowed to like bend it non-weight bearing mm. um because you can only bend it as far as safe yeah. because the brace pushes exactly. back on you. Yep. Yep. Uh, and then I was non-weight bearing completely for 12 weeks, which was much longer than my first surgery Yeah. very hard. Yeah, got it. So our listeners can understand what ACL, PCL, MCL, that triad, you know, like that's, uh, that alone is total reconstruction, let alone everything else that went on during this, during this process. So we'll make sure that there's some visual reference point to those things because everyone knows what the ACL is. We've kind of had this running joke that, you know, the anterior cruciate ligament has the best marketing firm of the entire human body because everyone knows what an ACL is, right? Yeah. But PCL is is almost as traumatic, right, in terms of its its ability to stabilize the knee and, and, and structure that. So I'm thinking about now, like, I go into trainer mode, right? And I think, okay, Robin wants to snowboard again. Okay. What is your kind of structured position throughout snowboarding? What is the load bearing formation going to look like on that front leg? Slightly bent, how much movement, lateral sway, how much of um, kind of rotational torque could potentially go on in the knee during that event? I think those are things to try to now potentially reverse engineer. And there's opportunity to do that if you get the right trainer, the right people who will turn around and say, okay, you've got seven Ks under your belt now. I think you've got resilience, right? The next step is, okay, how do we target that? How do we map that out? Yeah, it's in, so this time my rehab was so prescriptive after I had my bypass done, but because yeah. the pandemic yeah. hit. Yeah. Um, so that's another challenge, right? So now <laughs> we, you weren't face-to-face with your um, physio. You were no. doing most of this remotely? Yeah. Almost all remotely. So Holy at cow. first, my orthopedic surgeon said, I don't want a physio near you. Yeah. Your body is natural healing so well that they're just going to push you too that, hard is, and screw That's it just up. good genetics, I'm guessing. Well, and that's what he said. He's like, you won yeah. the genetic lottery. Yeah. Like, uh, And also, the cartilage in my knee was, wasn't used for nine years because my knee was aligned wrong. So I had like perfect knee cartilage no that's way. nine years younger oh, on my injured my knee than my, my yeah. uninjured knee. Holy cow. So he was like, you can't go to... To physio yeah like it's too it's yeah it's going to take you out of alignment it's going to yeah. be too traumatic yeah and so i well i was still on crutches because i remember how hard it was to learn to walk the first time i would do mm-hmm. what i called pretend walking which was i would like move my injured leg through the air yeah. without touching it to the ground to walk yeah because i remember how hard it was to learn the mechanics of walking again the first time yeah proprioception is the term we use relative to gait analysis and like when you're returning back and just getting weight bearing and understanding pain thresholds and articulations through the entire leg this you end up in a lot of compensation patterns and that's the thing like early stage of, of physical therapy that we've got to look at a lot is okay are we building like you're getting around the pain threshold of this trauma to the knee 
but are we building compensation? It's gonna cause another injury downstream. So there's this whole chain of events that need to be really closely monitored. So to get from your injury to running seven kilometers, I mean, it's, that's nothing short of a miracle. I think one thing my orthopedic surgeon said, which I've like taken in everything in life now is in order to run again, you have to run again. I love it. In order to run again, you have to run again. And like, so in, in order to snowboard again, you have to snowboard again. Like yeah. it's about getting like, you can't just say like, I want to run. You have yeah. to start running. And I remember my first run, like in my heavy brace with my swollen leg. And I went to him and I said, I can't run yet. And he said, then take a little break and then you got to run again to run again. Yeah, exactly. And that's the funny thing, you know, like doing lectures on, on this topic of, of human performance. I often open lectures like at Arizona State University with the with a statement. I say, you know, the, the most incredible thing about the human body is its ability to adapt and, and to the changes that have, that have happened, you know, whether it's environmental change or internal change. That adaptation process, is, we're the most brilliant machine on the planet for that. And the problem with the human body is we adapt incredibly well. It's also a problem, right? If you are not adapting within a framework that's going to enable movement forward, you know, if, if all of a sudden you've got imbalances, um, sure enough, like we can map often, we can look at an injury to an ankle, a knee, a hip, and we can go straight up the kinetic chain to low back, mid back, alternate shoulder, you know, you can follow those pathways of where those injuries are potentially going to happen if we don't cut off that compensation at the, at the very early stages of rehab. So learning to walk again, I mean, you've had some, and without monitoring, like during COVID and during that process, you've had, you must have an incredible innate kind of computer that tells you, yeah, that's right, that's wrong, and you're stepping forward correctly. So talk about those early, those early steps. Um, are you just working around pain or are you, are you monitoring everything saying, no, I'm gonna get over this. I'm gonna work through the knee, the ankle, the hip. So prior to my second surgery, I had like a pretty significant chronic hip, hip pain. Mm. So my knee doesn't actually give me much pain. My right. hip had given me a ton of pain prior. So there was lots of like, even like, what can we yeah. do to like strengthen all the things yeah, that yeah, I've yeah. compensated yeah. through my hip. Yeah. Was there a diagnosis there? Was that a um, labrum? Was it a they, hip they, they thought it might be the labrum. Yeah. I think now the hip pain's gone after my surgery. Yeah. Like, well, that's one of the things even post-pregnancy, postpartum, is looking at if you consistently carry a baby on one side, right? I mean, all of a sudden, all these imbalances occur too. So one thing I think um, my trainer has been really good about is like, he'll remind me like when you're riding the elevator, specifically throw your weight onto your injured knee. Yeah. Like if you're standing and yeah. I've like, I'm really conscious that I've like created habits that um, all compensate for my left knee. Got it. So like when I sit on the ground, because my knee used to fall out of joint when it was straight, I like prop my leg, my foot under my, yeah. behind my knee so it doesn't yeah. fall down. Yeah. And so like, I still do that. Like I'll find myself sitting and I'll do that because it's just but like- But do you do that now subconsciously or is it conscious? Okay, so it's subconscious, <laughs> right? So early days, like any kind of motor learning, you go from unconscious incompetent, right? You don't know what to do and obviously don't know how to do it. Then someone explains it to you, hey, we want you to look like this. And you go, okay, um, I have conscious now incompetence. I know what to do, but I still can't do it. Then you move to this big step, which is conscious competence. You start to understand what's required and you can now move through that pattern. 
mastery of movement happens in unconscious competence, right? Where it's just happening innately and naturally. And it sounds to me like, again, genetic lottery is part of this there, but having that mindset and that process to be able to move through into a point now where you're, you're unconscious, but positively affecting the involved side of your body. That's, that's, that's amazing to me. And, that, and that's something that, you know, for anyone who's listening to this, who is, who's had an injury or is going through an injury or is going to have an injury in the future, I think it's a function of remembering those steps. Like, set the goals, set those audacious goals that you can get out and achieve. When do you think you're going to snowboard again? I've done it three times now. You've done it three times already. How did that feel? What was uh, the first time? How so, nervous were you on the first run? Oh, there was a terrible customer service experience that led up to the first one, but once I got on the okay, hill. Hang on, so, okay, so <laughs> now everyone's gonna know. I wonder what that terrible customer service experience was. You it was, us. I feel really bad because it, I think generally it's good No to names say. will be mentioned, no locations. But basically I had to stand in line like eight different times and it ended up me being so frustrated. That's the girl who shouldn't snowboard, ignore her. Was it something like that? Uh, no, it was, the final thing was like, the waiver system, because there's like a COVID waiver and a rental yeah, waiver. Yeah. And I was like, I filled out all your waivers, all six of them like twice, just find me a paper copy. And then I looked at her and I was like, I've been through two surgeries and 10 years of rehab to get on the hill. Waivers shouldn't stop me. Yeah. And I burst into tears and then I was so frustrated. My nose started to bleed, which is really embarrassing as an adult. <laughs> Uh, oh wow so there's a moment right before your first snowboarding <laughs> event my god and my husband came in because i would like had told them like we all don't need to stand in line for me you guys go out and and snowboard for a bit and come back and check on me and he came in and he looked at me and was like what happened because i was like wearing a buff and it was covered in blood and it was <laughs> and i looked at him and i was like i like yeah because I'd, I'd like put all like my i thought about it the day before like here's how you snowboard yeah you, you know, you got to throw your weight. That, that yeah. conscious competence, you know, you're thinking about it a lot, right? And then I was, and normally I just leave because like, yeah. like I hate bad customer experience, but I was like, I, today is the day. Like yeah. we're not letting the waiver stop me. So they ended up getting yeah. me printed waiver copies and then <laughs> I like kind of lost my mind a bit and then they're going to give me another free day. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but then I got on the hill and I was like really quite nervous and I was like, do we go up the magic carpet or the chair left? And I was like, let's go the magic carpet. Yeah. And I like couldn't, I hadn't stood on a snowboard, so it's very slippery yeah, yeah. compared to yeah. your shoes. And yeah. so I kept like slipping out, oh, wow. like falling over, and I was like, I don't know how Nervous. to snowboard. And then I got on the magic carpet, and I've never been on a magic carpet. The, yeah. I, I think they're new in the last nine years, yeah. or I never took them before. So I couldn't stand on it, and I was in this weird squat, and my legs were yeah. shaking. Yeah. yeah. And I got to the top, and like you kind of strapped in. It's not a very big hill, it's like a bunny hill. And, uh, and the first turn was like panic inducing. And then after the first turn, I was like, I don't know, it's like riding a bike. Yeah. <laughs> and so I went yeah. down that, I turned yeah. back to my husband and said, I think I can go down the chairlift. I love it. Yeah. And then we went down the chairlift, me, my kids, my husband, and we got to the bottom of the second chairlift ride and my husband burst into tears. Wow. And he was like, you did it. Like all the work has finally paid That's off. Awesome. That's awesome. He did a lot of work too. Like yeah, it, of course. I mean, it's a family event, right? Yeah. I mean, everything surrounds that. And that's a, that's a moment, no doubt, for celebration, right, at that point. So you've been three times now. Yes. How are you feeling? Like, is it getting better progressively? Are you taking more risks now on a snowboard? Or are you saying, you know what? Because of the enjoyment I get from this level of snowboarding, 
eh, I think I'm going to cap it here and be safe. What's so your I've thoughts? Said, uh, I said to my orthopedic surgeon when he said I could go back. So I wear a brace when I snowboard, which is yeah. totally fine. Just a knee brace or are you wearing something more significant? A knee brace. Yeah, so okay. And it's like not the big fancy yeah. custom one anymore. It's much more generic knee brace. Okay, yeah. And I said, um, I don't need to crush it. I just want to be out there with my family. Because I, I grew up skiing with my whole family. My whole family goes skiing without me. And he said, you don't want to crush it now, but maybe you'll want to crush it in a few years. Yeah. And so right now I'm super happy just being on the hill. I love the mountains. I love being outside. I love that we're like love doing it. it together. In closing, what do you think the most difficult part of this was? Was it the, what was inside your head? You know, your thoughts about not being able to do that again? Was it the emotion, the emotional side we kind of covered? I think you had phenomenal process through there physically getting through those little achievement blocks and, and, and stepping through of everything that you experienced on this journey, what was the hardest? I think it, accepting where you're at and then that that is okay. I yeah. remember the first day I hit 2000 steps in a day after my right. second surgery and right. I was like, I would normally be horrendous, like horrified that I'd only yeah. taken 2000 steps, but that yeah. was huge. Like. Two. Yeah. It's hard to get 2,000 steps when you're in a leg brace and you're still like using one crutch and it's icy outside. A lot of our audience are athletes. I mean, and it's part of their DNA. It's part of their lifestyle. How do you, were there processes to accept where you're at, to understand that? Like, um, it's hard for a lot of people who say somebody has been a world-class athlete or somebody who's trained for four years who's going to an Olympic Games and then that's gone. Right? I, I, How do you accept that, right? I, I, I... I don't know how you yeah. like that. Yeah. I think you have to find something else that brings you joy. So yeah. it went from like, you know, maybe snowboarding. Like we, yeah. we started hiking and snowshoeing yeah. and it was because yeah. I liked being outside and I liked being with my family and I liked being in the mountains. Yeah. So maybe it wasn't snowboarding. So those metrics were more important than the actual event itself. Yeah. yeah. And finding, finding those. Like what yeah. did I like about this? Yeah. And if I can't do that, where can I find it somewhere else? Yeah. Your story is incredible, and I think there's so many, there's so many people, even during COVID, that have gone out and say, "I'm just going to start running," and all of a sudden, there's been an injury. They haven't been prepped, haven't been ready. So many people experience injury on on their journey. I think we could go upstairs and talk to everybody, you know. And we've all had some kind of injury that's that set us back to a degree. But I don't know. <laughs> I've not been around somebody who's had such a traumatic injury to the lower extremity that you've had and to be able to be back where you are. So that journey is just staggering. You've got to congratulate yourself every day. And, uh, and obviously, you know, love and be grateful for the people around you that enabled that. I think one thing it did make me realize is like, my, even with, with this injury, my life is pretty great. Like, yeah. universal healthcare, loving yeah. family. Yeah. I, I like live near the mountains and have a job and like, yeah. isn't actually that bad. Any inspirations, anybody you look at and say, oh, I, you know. uh, Mark McMorris, uh, after he hit the tree in the back, like he's got the yeah. documentary about his injury and then coming back to the Olympics, like yeah. I, there's something to me about like the, the comeback that I think is like, gets me a little like teary eyed. Yeah. Cause like, yeah. I'm never going to come back to the Olympics, but yeah. it felt like my Olympics. Thank you, Robin. And thank you for listening to the Human Kinesome Project podcast. Consider subscribing, rating, and sharing this show. 
The Kinesome is starting to take shape, but team, the game is just beginning.